I've got a little interest in uh, it might whet your appetite. There's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. And Revelation is probably next to Jude. Jude and Revelation. Jude's right in front of Revelation. It's in the vestibule of Revelation. <laughs> or probably the most ignored, less preached on <coughs> books in the entire Bible. Right. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a Bible study that took you all the way through the 22 chapters of the book of Revelation? Mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else has or not. And I can follow closely with the same thing. There's only 25 verses in the book, of the little book of Jude. Yeah. And how many have ever been in a Bible study that took you through them 25 verses in the book of Jude? Well, I've been in that one too. I consider myself to be fortunate. And I've studied both of these books pretty intensely over the last years. And uh, I think they go together because Jude essentially is a book about apostasy. Right. And apostasy that's within the family of God, within the church. It names groups and individuals that are apostates. You can see beginning in uh, verse 5 and down through verse 15, groups and individuals that's named in, in uh, uh, acts of apostasy. In fact, we, we all know about the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles. Mm -hmm. I think that we could rename the little book of Jude Acts of the Apostates <laughs> is what uh, would be a good name for it. But uh, we're not going to be preaching on Jude tonight. I'm going to give you a little flavor for the book of Revelation. And it would probably take three or four months to do a Bible study uh, on the book of Revelation. Probably take a couple of months to do it on the little book of Jude, which is much smaller, smaller book. But I've never seen any. God cram any more information into 25 verses than he did the little book of Jude. And, uh, but we're going to turn on over from Jude and the Acts of the Apostates and we're going to look into the book of Revelation. I think Revelation will reveal some of the things that are that we learn in the book of Jude. Uh, God's got his books in the Bible in, a, in an order. And sometimes he takes things out of chronological order. Mm -hmm. And whenever you see that, you need to pay particular attention as, as to why. And uh, the book of Revelation is just that. It's the revelation. Amen. Singular. It's not revelations. I, I hear pastors and preachers and evangelists and others just call it the revelation. Over in the book of the revelation. Sometimes it gets me before I get my tongue twisted and say it too. I hear them say it all the time. But it's not the revelations. I think that they say that because they think of all of the, the things that John wrote about and saw. And, and But it, it's not multiple revelations. It's a singular revelation. And as we look at the book of Revelation in chapter 1, we're going to see something that maybe you have not seen before. And if you have, just bear with me, uh, because if we go very far in Revelation tonight, 
you probably say some things you've not seen before. They've always been there. No, God's not hidden them from us. Sometimes we just have to dig a little deeper in the Bible to see what they are and how that they not only deal with us corporately as a body of Christ, but also individually. And uh, you can see those things in chapters 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation where God uh, had a letter penned to each of seven churches, mm -hmm. beginning with Ephesus and going through uh, the church at Laodicea. And all those churches have a name, and their names mean something. It, it would behoove you to delve into the names that are there and what the meanings are, because uh, uh, they reveal, shed some light on the life that's going on, or the lack of life that's going on in some of those churches. And you'll also notice, just like I said, there's seven churches. There's a uh, a septatic uh, uh, framework in the book of Revelation. It, there are so many sevens involved. And some of them are just named for you, right? They're just like uh, bark floating on pond water. You know, you can just reach over and pick them up. You see them, there's seven, and then it's obvious. Some of them go a little deeper. You have to dig a little deeper to see those sevens that are there. But literally, there are hundreds and hundreds, and I don't know that anybody could make an exhaustive uh, search of all of the, sep uh, uh, the sevens that are in the book of Revelation. It'd be fun to try, but just about time you think you've got it uh, covered, you'll be reading, and you'll see that, and sometimes, let me give you a little clue, if you go through the entire book of Revelation, there's 404 verses there. And of those 404 verses, there's over 800 allusions that come from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the Holy Spirit transfers you from the book of Revelation to other books in the Bible, and there are sevens revealed there. So it extends on out, and that's why I say it's hard. Maybe when we finally get home, we can look at Jesus and ask him, Lord, how many sevens are there in, in, uh, in your revelation? And that brings us to the first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who is it a revelation of? Now, if we were in Romania tonight, and I was preaching to you in Romania, uh, we wouldn't be looking at the book of Revelation. We would be looking at their translation, and it's more accurate than the one that's here in English, the Apocalypse. The Apocalypse. Carte de Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. Apocalypse or Revelation means to unveil something. Something or someone that has never been known up until that time. Something's being revealed that nobody knew about before. And that's what John's job is here, is to see the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ means a lot. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I just can't tell you how much it really means. It means everything. It's more than just the law. It's everything. It's everything that you know, brothers and sisters, and it's also everything we don't know, which may be more than we do know. But it's unveiled in Christ Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's his name and his mission and his goal in the life that he had here on this, this planet. And the completeness of him will be found all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. We can find him from Genesis through Revelation 22 and in every part of the Bible in between. Amen. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. Mm -hmm. Unto him. Unto him. Sounds kind of strange to say that, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But who is being unveiled and who is being unveiled to whom? It's the revelation that God gave to his dear son the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if I've got your attention, have you ever thought of that before? There's the first verse. It's the unveiling of Christ, who he is, unto whom? Unto himself. Okay. That should get your attention a little bit. And to show unto his servants. Well, we're always servants. We're his children. We're his uh, beloved, we're in the beloved, we're the beloved to God because of who? Jesus Christ. And it's unveiled to him, and he shows the unveiling to us. That's why we're gathered here at church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and when we have prayer meetings or revival meetings or wherever we come together. If we come together at the gas station or at Kroger's or wherever we are, our topic of conversation should be some of the things that God has done on our behalf and past time is doing today and will be doing in the future. Now, I want to jump ahead just a little bit. I think verse 19, since we talked about what he has done, what he is doing, and what he's going to do, the book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible that I'm aware of I may be wrong. You check me out on this. I wouldn't deceive you under any circumstances. But it's the only one I've been able to uh, find that has its own outline. Uh, do you remember when you were sitting back in school and your teacher gave you a book she wanted you to read? Uh, back when I was in school, we read some of Mark Twain's books about Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer and so on and so forth. And, and uh, the teacher would tell us, now, first of all, I want you to survey the book. That means to read the book. And then as you read a chapter, go back through that chapter and make an outline. And draw out all the high points, and that outline should give you high points that tells you the story of what happened in that chapter. Well, God's really kind to us in the book of Revelation. Verse uh, 19 does that very thing for us. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, tells John, here's what I want you to do, John. 
said, John, I want you to write the things which thou hast seen. There's the past. I want you to write what you've seen, what's been revealed in the past to you here in verse 19. And the things which are, that's the present. That's what's happening right then while John is being included in, in the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Jesus is reporting to him. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, John, I want you to write what's been seen up to now. These verses here in chapter 1, I want you to write about them. We're about to look at those things that were. And then we're going to look at what is. In chapters 2 and chapter 3 is the age of the church. We all like to read and study the book of Acts. And rightly so, there's so much interesting things that happened to the early church in the book of Acts. But you can only know about 30 years of church history in the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you'll learn a lot of Old Testament history too because whenever they were about to, to stone to death Stephen, you'll find things Stephen told the Sanhedrin court that you can only find in the book of Acts. They were things that occurred, they were things that happened, but they're not revealed anywhere in the Old Testament, most, many of them, but they're revealed there in Stephen's testimony in Acts chapter 6. So, here's what we got. We've got a past, we've got a present, the church age, the churches at, at uh, uh, Ephesus, at Smyrna, at uh, uh, Sardis, Thyatira and uh, 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 another name skipped from mine, then Philadelphia and then Laodicea. And uh, you just have to give me, I know as well as no more name, but I'm having a dope moment. <laughs> but anyway, you can look at the seven churches there in chapter 2 and 3, you can see what they are. And those are the things that are present. We're presently in that. We have a church age. We're meeting right here tonight. We're the church. So this is the present status of the church. Said And write the things which are and the things which shall be here after. Okay, so we've got chapter 1. It's the things that have been. We've got chapters 2 and 3. We've got the church age. The things that are. Now, let me ask you to turn over, since we got this outline in our mind, over, we'll skip over the church age, chapters 2 and 3, and we're going to look at chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. And what does it say after this? Did you get that? Well, what's the last thing that, that, that John wrote, that Jesus told John wrote? Write the things which are what? To come. Mm -hmm. You just read chapters 2 and chapter 3, so you're going into chapter 4, and it says, okay, after the church age, after this, those are the last things that we see. So in chapter 1, we've got the things that were. Chapters 2 and 3, we've got the things that are the church age, and chapter 4, we got the things, the beginning of the things which are to come. 
chapters 4 through chapters 22 will take you into the things which are to come. <coughs> now, I, I'm going to read chapter 4 and verse 1. I'm going to give you my uh, interpretation of it, and I'm not alone in this interpretation, and you're free to disagree with me if you want to. That's your business. Uh, but I'd like for you to show me why I'm wrong. If I'm going to show you why I'm right, I want you to show me why I'm wrong. <laughs> and that's going to take you some time to dig into it. Don't just jump up and say something because you feel a certain way or thought somebody said something sometime. Let's, let's confine it to what the Bible itself says. Because you know what? who the best interpreter of the Bible is? The Bible. <laughs> he takes the Bible. You know, I just now told you a minute ago, there's all these illusions, 800 illusions even from the Old Testament in the 404 verses of the book of Revelation are found in the Old Testament. So where do you go to find the key to unlock these mysteries and these ideas that we see in the book of Revelation. Well, they're found in the book of Revelation itself or elsewhere in the Bible. And the reason that a lot of pastors and teachers do not teach on the book of Jude or the book of Revelation is because they've not done their homework in the Old Testament. Because that's part of the Bible too. All scriptures get for edification. That the, that the man of God can be uh, fully equipped mm -hmm. to teach and to preach and live a godly life. All of it is God-breathed. It's all God-breathed from Genesis through the last verses of the book of Revelation. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, After this, after chapters 1, 2, and 3, after this I looked, and by the way, I want you to understand, there's a lot of people says that the things that John sees and hears are just a vision or a dream or something like that. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm. It says he looked. Right. You'll see that he fell to the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You'll see that he heard things and saw things. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not a vision. That's an actuality. This is occurring in a place where God the Son is meeting with one of his most wonderful apostles, John the Apostle. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Who's the door to the sheep? You can go to John chapter 10, see? You, you want to find out who the door is? Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is the door. If there's a door open in heaven, you're going to go, if you're going to heaven, you're going through that door. Mm -hmm. You ain't going through another door. You ain't going through a window. You ain't going through a side street or something like that. There are those that think they are and think that they can, but they're going to hear some very sad words in Matthew chapter 7. Mm -hmm. And those sad words are some of the saddest words that's ever been uttered. Mm -hmm. yes. I never knew. You know why? Because they tried to come to God some other way mm -hmm. than through the door. And that door is the one and only 
Lord Jesus Christ. He is the door to the sheep. My old pastor used to tell me years ago, said, Brother Delp said, you got to be careful when you get out here in this lay of the sea in church. He said, when the sheep goes up, sometimes there's a few goats trying to straggle in. And I thought about that often. And also we got uh, uh, bringing your attention back to chapters 2 and chapter 3 uh, of the, uh, and by the way, that other church is Sardis, just now coming into mind. Uh, whenever we look at them, they're in a specific order too. Mm -hmm. And if they were in any other order, the information that's there would be not complete. Yep. But they're in the right order. They're in the complete order that they need to be in. And uh, uh, one of the sad things is, is the uh, church at Sardis. The church at Sardis really is the Reformation Church. Now, a lot of people don't like it when you pick on the Reformation Church. Look, the Reformation Church does some wonderful things. Mm -hmm. They preached and they taught salvation and grace and faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. Right. That's Bible. That's a central <coughs> theme of the Bible. But their eschatology Amen. was messed up. Yes, sir. And they had a lot of other problems Amen. that they didn't address. And these are my words to the, uh, not my words to the church at Sardis and the Reformation Church. Jesus said this. He said, Behold, you've got a name. Mm hmm. You got a name hanging over the door. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've done some good things there, looks like. You've got a name. But I'm here to tell you that you're dead. Yes, sir. You're dead. And if Thyatira is the Roman Catholic Church, and that's the church that's being looked at before the church at Sardis, with all of its problems, Jesus even found some good things about it. But Sardis, Jesus found not one good commendation to give to Sardis, nor to lay it to see. And I call Sardis the denominational church. That's where it is. Behold, they've got a lot of big names out there. But when you start to search, the heart of it, no beat mm -hmm. It's dead. Verse 4, verse 1, chapter 4, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet. You're going to hear, you heard about the trumpet in chapter 1 of Revelation. We can look there and see that. We're hearing about it again in, in verse 4, and we're going to hear uh, uh, more about the trumpets over in chapter 8 of the book of Revelation and what type of trumpets and, and the sounds that they make and uh, we won't get there to chapter 8 tonight but he heard the voice of a trumpet and it's already been revealed to us who that voice is he heard the voice which I heard was of a trumpet uh, talking with me uh, if a trumpet is a voice that's speaking to you, it's going to get your attention. Mm -hmm. uh, if we had an orchestra here tonight and we were playing a, a lot of musical instruments, pianos and banjos and violins and 
all different types of woodwinds and clarinets and saxophones and you name it. But if there's some people started up with trumpets, they could drown out the whole crowd because trumpets have a piercing and they're an absolute attention-getting instrument. Right. That's why they use trumpets to sound battle calls in war because the trumpets could rise above the sounds of the battle, the soldiers could hear them, and they were directed what to do next, where to assemble, where to go, where to retreat to, from, where to go to, and how to plan their next attack, which to come under the voice of the trumpet. And we hear a sound of a trumpet, one speaking as a trumpet, mm -hmm. uh, talking with me. Uh, let me ask you a question. When's the last time uh, you had a trumpet talk? <laughs> I've had some trumpet talks in my life. I've had some times that the Lord Jesus, even though I was in the midst of the battle, and a battle he'd called me to, maybe I was about to take the wrong step. Maybe some of the pieces of armor I had left in the barracks or something like that, and the trumpet spoke with me and told me, Hey! Act like you got the helmet of salvation on. Act like you're walking in the gospel of, of the preparation of the gospel of faith. Where's, where's the sword of the Spirit? Where, when have you invoked the word lately? He can get your attention. Even though you're about the things of the Father, sometimes you need a little more direction even while you're in the midst of the battle. Amen. And John is about to hear from, from the Lord in the midst of all of this thing that's going on around him. Now, we have switched gears from times past, time present, and to when? Time future. A door is opened in heaven, and a voice told him what? A voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. Hey, folks, that's the trumpet we want to hear. That's the voice we've been waiting to hear. Ever since I got saved, I've been waiting, Spencer, to hear that voice. My, come up hither, my beloved. Come up hither. Come to me. Come into me. Wow. One day we're going to hear that trumpet voice. Yes, sir. And we're going through that door like. And that trumpet voice is the Lord, and that doorway is the Lord. The only way into heaven is through the doorway of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's thieves and there's robbers that are going to try another way. But mm -hmm. what's God going to tell? Depart from me. Right. I never knew. But what's he going to say to his blood? Hey, welcome. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. Now I place you in charge mm -hmm. of many. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the supper table is waiting for Amen. Wow. What a day that's going to be. Yes, sir. That's right. It's something to look forward to. We've got a past. Mm -hmm. we got a present. But we got an eternal future. Amen. The lost man has an eternal future, too. Right. But it's an eternity in hell. Our eternity is in a whole, whole different place. Like I said earlier, we got a hell to shine and a heaven to go. Amen. And 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. No man is going to heaven. No man's coming to the Father but by him. Which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be what? Hereafter. Now we look back to verse 19 in Revelation 1. Does it start to make sense to you? We have a divine outline from God in verse 19. Write the things, John. John, write these things. These are Jesus' words. Which thou hast seen, the past, okay, chapter 1, and the things which are, chapters 2 and 3, the church age. By the way, I done told you a while ago, the book of Acts shows you the first 30 or so years in the, in the book of Acts, you see the history of the first 30 years of, of the church. Well, that's good to know that. But do you know chapters 2 and 3 shows you 2,000 years mm -hmm. through to that <coughs> the age of the church. And those churches, if they were in any other order, wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So God's placed them in a certain order to his good pleasure to convey to us not only what the book reveals in our past, our present, but also the future. And I want you to notice where the church is in that future. The church is not here on this earth. Church is in heaven. I don't know if we'll get to that tonight or not. I'll, I'll go as far as I can go. I just hope I'm whetting your appetite to delve into a little book of Jude and into a little into the bigger book of, of Revelation. And not be afraid to, uh, uh, to do your own homework and search out all this stuff for yourself. And maybe the next time I come, you'll, you'll be able to confront me and say, Brother Delbert, you're right about that. <laughs> or Brother Delbert, you're wrong about that. And here's why. And if you'll come with the Bible open, I'll listen to you. But if you come in the name of some man or some group or somebody, I ain't going to pay too much attention to you. Now, the Bible speaks. When the trumpet blows, I'm listening. Yeah. Got John attention, didn't he, when the trumpet blows? Because he also knew the door was open. Amen. The door was open and the trumpet was blowing, and the boy said, What? Come up here. Amen. Amen. And also the things which shall be hereafter. Okay, now verse 2. Who bear record uh, gave the, to, to his angel uh, signified, these things are rendered into sign, verse, verse, last part of verse 1, uh, by his angel unto his servant who? John. John's the one who's recording what's being, what he sees, what he hears, and what he knows who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know, we're supposed to do the same thing. We're supposed to bear record right. of the word of God Amen. and to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of all them, all the things which he what? He saw. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. He saw things. He heard things. He fell mm -hmm. to the ground. Verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth. Now, here's another verse that you can have in the book of Revelation. Not only does it contain a uh, uh, absolute uh, uh, 
accounting or uh, outline of, of this book. It also gives you something I've not found anywhere else in the Bible also. Now, you'll be blessed for reading the Bible in general, but this specific book says if you read, hear, and listen to what it says, you've got a blessing from God. So if you didn't get anything else tonight, you got at least one blessing from God by hearing and reading the Word of God, in particular the book of Revelation who by record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things he saw, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Mm -hmm. Also, I want you to know that it's not a uh, 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 pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. It's not uh, uh, something that's out there that's a uh, some kind of vision that's, uh, it, it's not an illusion. God's Word calls it prophecy. Here it is. Right. Uh, there are people going around preaching today that this is not prophecy. Well, I don't know what to do with verse 3 because verse 3 itself says, this is what? This prophecy. Right. And keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. My goodness, I, God's always got timing. Tonight you're here in part of God's timing to hear what he's saying to his church in these last moments. It's an exciting time to live in. We hear about COVID-19. We hear about uh, wars and rumors of wars. Yeah. We hear about uncertainty. We hear about economic catastrophes. We hear about this political party opposed to that political party. What's going to happen to us if, if such and such ain't elected or such and such is elected? Listen, I'm going to tell you, Jesus already knows who's going to be elected, and it's not going to change his outcome. Amen. It's not right. going to change life. It'll be his life. Because we don't rest in the Democrat or the Republican Party. We rest in the finished works of the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who we're talking about. Who's yep. being unveiled again? Jesus. Jesus has been unveiled right here in this scripture. Amen. Verse 4. John to the seven churches. He told John to write to the seven churches. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, Asia's not China or uh, Japan. We usually, when we speak Asia, that's who we think of. We was involved in a war back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, French Indochina or the Asian War. Uh, Korea was an Asian war. and We were battling World War II with Japan. That was an Asian war, the Asian campaign. Vietnam was an Asian war. But No, that's a little further east than what we're talking about here. We're talking about the entryway into Asia, what today we would call Turkey. Mm -hmm. And these churches are located there in Turkey, in western Turkey as a matter of fact, not so far from Romania, yeah. not so far. You can take a, a bus ride one day, a uh, day and a half, and be from Matthew's House Farm and be in Turkey, okay? John and the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace, unto you and peace 
I, I like John repeats what Paul always said. Grace and peace. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. If you ain't got no grace, you ain't gonna have no peace. Amen. This don't work that way. Ain't gonna be no mercy, ain't gonna be no peace, ain't gonna be none of that except without the grace of God. Uh, Hal Lindsey had a great acronym for uh, the word grace. G-R-A-C-E. Mm -hmm. God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen. What's the whole book of Revelation about here? Who's it about? Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus. The unveiling of Christ. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from uh, which is and which was and which is to come. We have a, a trinity illusion here. Mm -hmm. The three. He was, he is, and he'll be which to come. Amen. Who's the outline of the book? What's the outline of the book say? Write about the things which were. Which, Who's that? Which are. Yeah, Lord. Who is? He still is. The Lord. And which is to come. We're directed by the Spirit. And the unveiling is by the Father. Mm -hmm. So we have a Trinity allusion to the Trinity here. Right up in the first verses <coughs> of the book of Revelation. Amen. Which are before and, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. There's a throne ring. Mm -hmm. When you get into chapter 4 and chapter 5, you're going to see that throne ring. Right. You can get over in Isaiah chapter 6, you can see that throne ring. Well, we're not going to go much further, and I'll let you go. Hopefully this is just to whet your appetite a little bit and encourage you in this timely season that we're in. I think that the church age is about to come to an end here on this earth, and we don't want our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones or anybody else be left here upon this earth. Mm -hmm. We want to see them go with us Amen. to be with the Lord. And hath made us kings and priests. Mm -hmm. Verse 6. And from Jesus Christ, verse 5, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Mm -hmm. He's not the first one to be resuscitated no. because he wasn't resuscitated. He was resurrected. Amen. There are people that have been brought back from the dead, but, but they died, and, and they died again. Mm -hmm. Or they were like Enoch. Yeah. They were taken out. They were translated. Right. But Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. Amen. And you know what? You know what hope you have tonight? Even if we don't get raptured out of here in our lifetime, you know what? The destination is the same. Mm -hmm. We'll be raised just as Christ was raised. Mm -hmm. We'll have a resurrection body just like Christ had a resurrection body. Mm -hmm. And we'll have an eternal home which is called oh, yeah. heaven. Because the Lord Jesus has done. Yes, sir. And how is it like that? He said, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, yeah. And the prince of the kings of the earth. Mm -hmm. He is king of kings. Amen. And he's Lord of lords. Unto him that loveth us and washed us 
from our sins how? We sung about it tonight. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There's no salvation without the shedding of blood. Jesus willfully, purposely, and gladly obeyed the Father and died a death, a suffering, terrible death on the cross. He was buried in a barred tomb and as prophesied in hundreds of different ways, he met every obligation of the prophets. Mm-hmm. He was resurrected on the third and appointed morning. Yeah. And if you're here and you've repented of your sins and you've asked God to forgive you and Jesus to forgive you of your sins and is accepting him as a Savior, You've been washed whiter than snow. Mm-hmm. Though your sins were like scarlet, you've been made white as snow in the eyes of God. And that's what Jesus has promised. Well, I'm going to leave you there. I encourage you to go on with your study in the book of Revelation, the little book of Jude. Notice the apostasy that's in the church world today. Notice how that many times the precious blood is left out. The wonderful gospel message is left out. Social issues become the priority when it should be the minority. But don't ever forget the unveiling is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the apostle. Brother Heister, that's all I've got to say.